speak and the words that you hear be Christ's words. Amen. Um, when I was reading and reflecting on the gospel this week, I realized that I, I, I needed to talk about the gospel because of what's going on in the news, especially in the Ukraine. Because I've been overwhelmed by the news and images of the war. And I think it's because the pictures bring home to me how fragile life is. I was reading one article and I saw pictures of, well, dead children, mass graves, weapons fire, explosions, and I could, I could hear in my mind the wailing and weeping of men and women who were injured and who were mourning the loss of loved ones. The people, like they look like us, they dress like us, their cities look like ours. What did they do to deserve what I was seeing? I never thought that something that looks like World War II could ever happen again in Europe. And I'd like to be able to confidently tell you why and for what greater purpose this war, why is it happening? And uh, the simple answer is, I don't know. I can't make any sense out of it. Russian forces are targeting civilians, killing men, women, and children. And I'm not even sure if the full extent of the destruction is known or understood by us here in Canada. How could this human tragedy and destruction have happened? And why didn't God do anything? Where is God in the pain and suffering? Now, this is the unspoken question that's in the first part of our gospel. Jesus seizes on two events that were probably familiar to ancient audiences, events where bad things happened to unsuspecting and innocent people. The first was state-sanctioned terror, and the second was a random but very serious accident. And in both cases, people were killed with little warning and for no apparent reason. Now, history books are full of Pilate's fondness for brutality. Mingling the blood of Galileans with their sacrifices probably refers to Pilate's massacre of a group of Galilean pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem. And frankly, it makes me think of Vladimir Putin who has unleashed similar terror on Ukrainians. Although Jesus could have used these events in Jerusalem to answer why big bad things happen to innocent people and to defend God against charges of mismanaging the universe, he didn't. Instead, God implies not to equate tragedy with divine punishment. It's not God's retribution Sins of the Galileans and Ukrainians aren't the cause of these calamities. The lives lost in Jerusalem, like those lying dead in the Ukraine, demonstrate how fragile life really is. And that gives Jesus' message urgency. Jesus turns attention away from disasters, victims, and questions about why to speak to the living, the survivors, and we can be thankful that we live thousands of miles away from Ukraine, but we shouldn't think that our good fortune means that we have God's special blessing. Tragedies get our attention. They shake us out of our comfortable, 
familiar, ordinary life, and they hit us right in the face. You know, life is perilous. The events in Jerusalem then, just as the events in the Ukraine now, teach us about the suddenness of death and the unpredictability of life. A month ago, these Ukrainians were sending their kids to school in the morning. They were going for walks. They were borrowing books at the library. They were buying food at the, sh- uh, the grocery store, and they were worshiping at their churches. Now many lie dead, killed by an invading army from a superpower next door. Think about that. Now we have a choice. We can protect ourselves with rationalization and false assurances as we observe this war from a far distance. The rationalization, while it allows us to get through the day feeling maybe a bit blessed and safe and confident that life is good, or we can live as faithful disciples knowing that God's judgment is certain. We can lead lives letting the grace of God prepare us for that judgment, letting God transform our life through grace. And that, that call also is for us to be generous towards those still trapped under the oppression of war and the weight of poverty, want, and oppression. Jesus doesn't explain in the gospel why bad things happen to innocent people. They just happen. Jesus turns the conversation to our need for repentance. He asks, with the raw memory of blood and destruction and rubble on the ground, what about you? How will you live your life that you have to live? The purpose of the stories of the massacred Galileans and those who died at Siloam is that repentance is a decisive step on our journey towards the kingdom of God. It's the same lesson we draw from the senseless war in Ukraine. Without repentance and faithful witness, punishment awaits. When we witness wars in God's creation, it reveals just how desperately we all need to repent. Now, some of us may think that repentance is personal. It's only personal, and it's only about feeling sorry for your personal sin. That's part of it for sure. But the Bible teaches that repentance is more. It's also about communities turning away from things that disrupt God's kingdom, like idolatry, injustice, exploitation, and war, and turning towards living faithfully, acting justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly with God. That's how we prepare for judgment and the day of resurrection. The death of the Galileans in Jesus' time and the Ukrainians today is a reminder to turn away from the ways of the world and to live by the values of the kingdom that Jesus taught. And the war in the Ukraine shows that the threat that we're facing isn't something so intensely personal. It's not, and it's not an individual terrorist upsetting a, sort of a, a peaceful world. The war demonstrates that creation is still broken. It's still broken, people. The ideology of nationalism and empire has not gone away. It's alive and it's well today. And we see it in the news articles in the Ukraine. But believe me, it's not just the Ukraine. It's wherever war is, wherever conflict is in the world. Now, the fig tree 
that we hear about in the gospel, uh, the fig tree is in crisis. Think about it. It's on a prolonged, fruitless streak. Years, no fruit. It's not providing the fruit that the owner or the gardener intended. And I imagine that the gardener intended its fruit to provide food and vitality to the owner and to others. And that's the purpose of planting fig trees anyway, right? Imagine the church is the fig tree and God is the gardener. God aches when fig tree, the fig tree provides no fruit. What happens when a church stops bearing fruit? What happens when a church cannot or will not repent and turn towards the kingdom of God? That church risks everything. That church risks everything. Can you imagine a congregation so out of touch that it doesn't know the needs and problems of its community? Can you imagine churches that stay silent when children are hungry in school? I mean, churches they exist for the sake of others, for the people outside. A church that has no fruit is a church that needs to repent. And it's true that creation's broken. It's also true that God came to earth as the human man, Jesus, to rescue it. And despite everything that's going on around us, we can still witness to the truth about God, the God we know in Jesus Christ. Repentance means turning towards the kingdom of God. And the Bible urges us to seek God during tragedy. God suffers with us and for us. Not some distant supreme being controlling everyone and everything like a puppet master. Our God suffered the fullest human experience of loss when Jesus, out of love for us, died an unjust and cruel death on the cross. God wasn't causing chaos. God was entering it and suffering through it on the cross. And Jesus is not standing over us from a distance. Right now, he's holding tightly onto us and promising never to let go. Wherever human tragedy and pain exist, the incarnate and crucified God is there. And as we walk on our road of repentance, God also works through us. Even in the face of war or natural disaster, we're, we're not helpless. We can demonstrate God's love and support for those in pain and fear. We are the body of Christ and agents of God's redemptive and restoring love in the world. Wars aren't supposed to happen. Some of us with a heavier heart um, know that. Creation groans under the weight of sin and death. Against this weight, the gospel promises good news. It creates faith and restores hope. Our God has promised to wipe the tears from every eye and to create a new heaven and a new earth where suffering is no more. So as we worship today, we can worship knowing that God walks with us in difficult times, we may feel powerless, but every step we take, no matter how small in our journey of repentance, honors our Lord and Savior. Let's witness the, the love of God. Let's keep the people of Ukraine and all the victims of war and their families in our prayers. Amen.